Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. Uh, this is Hobbs Q. I can be found on Twitter at Hobbs Q. My pronouns are he, him. And I am here with my co-host, Alex. Hi, I'm Alex Newman, found on Twitter at Mill underscore Chronicler. And my pronouns are also he, him. And kind of found on Twitter, as we were discussing kind of earlier. Yeah, uh, Maybe, probably not Twitter for a while. Sometimes, but not currently, I suppose. Not currently. Because there's been a lot going on. Um, but today, we are rejoined. Well, before we get to that, I just want to say thank you to Grinding Coffee Company. Uh, always want to, at the beginning of the show, thank them. I just got in uh, a new bag of the Gay Agenda, probably one of my favorite names for a coffee in the last year. Uh, just such a good company. Uh, very supportive of us. Uh, Minority-owned, LGBTQ-ran uh, coffee company. So that really supports gamers. Anyway. For our show today, we are actually joined by two returning guests. And I will say, the last time they were here was probably one of the most downloaded episodes. It actually, I think it is. The first part of it is the second most downloaded after our first ever episode. And um, that is Michelle and Ryan. So, Michelle, do you want to introduce yourself as, you know, this actually, I think, puts you at the second most times on the show behind Chase as a guest. <laughs> it does. Like well, it, it does. So welcome well, back. It just means I got to just say let me let me talk to Jason Statham. Hello. Hello sir. I've got new target. <laughs> um, yeah, I know she's my friend, but like still. Anyway. <laughs> Hi, I am Michelle Rapp. Um also <laughs> known as that weird person who keeps yelling on twitter about inane things like magic the gathering dungeons and dragons uh other ttrpgs her cats and there's a lot of baking i i love making and eating carbs it is a lifestyle choice and i do not regret any of it um and my pronouns are they she and you also um uh, since being with us last have now been you're back in boston so you have a lot more time to you like bake because you're like snowed in basically i bake bread every single week oh my it gosh is, that's amazing. it's great i make um a tray of focaccia and i usually try to make a bake uh, a tray of cookie um a batch of cookies i think is a better word and i have <laughs> does batch make it seem like you're eating less if you say no, no, tray? No, no. i'm just i'm just okay. trying to think of the collect the correct collective noun for, <laughs> for, for this item for this item yes yes um so i am i am doing that and what can i say i love to bribe people with carbs um i i bribe my my ride to improv every week with carbs i bribe my neighbors with carbs um i bribe my husband with carbs it's actually just a very effective um, manipulative tool, honestly. So, <laughs> main purpose behind it too. It's just yeah, all manipulation. Purpose. Oh no, manipulation. it's great. I mean, this is why. Look, when I was a small little girl, I was in Girl Scouts, and I noticed something: people don't say no to cookies. So accurate. And Ryan, welcome back to you too. Oh, hey. Yeah, good to be here. Hi, uh, my name is Ryan. Uh, I post on Twitter as BarbariansRid1. It was supposed to be BarbariansRiddle, but you know, Twitter shortens names and all that. 
uh, let's see, my pronouns are he, him. Uh, and I'm kind of like a Mr. Toad of people where I am constantly switching hobbies. It's a really unfortunate thing. Uh, Magic the Gathering has been one of my big consistent ones. So you probably see me online just uh, posting, like making little memes. But I'd say the general vibe of my page is disappointment. Not to be a downer, <laughs> just, I mean, if you were to, <laughs> there's still a large chunk of them. Uh, it's usually like, man, I'm not mad, but dang. Um, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You do, right? You do have very strong dad energy in that regard. <laughs> what was that one I posted? Like, listen, no, I get it. I'm not laughing, but I get it. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. Other than that, I'm just uh, a big fan of the game, and uh, you know, as in. Asian American who was adopted and raised in the Midwest. I, I feel like I have maybe a relatively unique perspective. Um, it, it's weird because uh, since the last time of the cast, I feel like, and maybe this is just manifesting itself in the different hobbies I've done. I'm just trying to fill, and I may be misusing this term, trying to like fill a weird void in the whole diaspora. Did I pronounce that right? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, you did. Yeah. 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 Yay, yay. I, I, I listened to the pronunciation enough to say it right. Um, so I've just been, I feel like every like side hobby I've done has been a weird void. Like I took up a bit of sewing and I was like looking up kimono and handbok patterns, or there was a very brief time where I was collecting like vinyl pops. So I was specifically getting stuff from the pop Asia line, you know, things like that. It's just yeah. weird. And I'm, I'm actually currently reading Journey to the West, which I am not Chinese, but it's one of those things where it's like, there's this weird, I mean, this is kind of why representation is so important, right? Not to segue into the main topic or anything, but well, you know, there, there are people, yeah, yeah. there's just people like me who are out there like, you know what, like I was raised around like, you know, Culver's and like Hardee's and stuff. So I don't have like that, that experience, you know, that experience or understanding. And I feel like there's like a, a piece missing, you know? Yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, like I, I, first of all, love journey to the west i also read it i'm vietnamese so like i mean yeah. i i guess like i don't know we, we've been colonized by china by like so many times i guess it's kind of a thing i could mm -hmm. probably bullshit that into my heritage somehow but um if you're interested uh check out okay so i'm a bit of a lego head now because um legos are great but two uh lego has a whole series of like journey to the west like meccas and stuff like that with like sun wukong and like lady iron fan and like there's just a bunch of good shit like i'm really really happy about um that stuff so i know that it's meant to be like oh it's only appealing to like the chinese market but you know there's some people here who like it too oh and they even have a changa um moon cake factory with like a little rabbit mecca it is so cute and they what? have tiny and they have tiny tiny little like flat one by one rounds oh my god moon cakes they make little moon cakes you can put them in a box i love everything about this oh, that like, sounds so uh, sweet we because i know michelle you and i were talking earlier the uh, the over near christmas time about the the like the flower line because the sunflowers are coming out this year and i will I say got the sunflowers putting the ones together that we even have so far was such a mindfulness exercise like there was something just very satisfying about putting those ones together and then we have them in a vase like sitting right now i just want more to come out to add more to it oh well the sunflowers are out so you cool. should totally get the sunflowers uh, i'm gonna um, do that I'm actually going to be doing a stream probably tomorrow where I'm going to be assembling 
um, some Legos and I got the Everyone is Awesome one that's like the LGBTQIA Pride yeah. uh, build. So I'm going to be building that tomorrow. That's and, awesome. Uh, uh, tomorrow being yeah. a relative time period is being a relative uh, some point in the evening is basically like, hey, well, and anymore. I was thinking like, if you're listening to this, it, it will probably have already have happened. Oh, true. Mm-hmm. But I'll I mean, I've got a bunch of Lego sets I'm going to make. So like, <laughs> come, come hang out. <laughs> going to build some Legos. Going to put some, f- f- going to bust some bricks. Shell on. Yeah. You, get, <laughs> drop that Twitch link. We need to know where it is. I guess like, it's just like twitch.tv slash Potter. Anyway. Okay. That works. Like. But like, yeah, yeah, Ryan, like get it, get in there because there's some good, like awesome Lego Journey to the West stuff. I'll check it out. I was actually just, you probably heard me typing. I was like, okay, Mech, Journey to the West. I'm like, yeah, the Sun Wukong build looks really dope. Oh, it doesn't like it? One for, yeah, it looks like they don't have one for Pigsy, which is a shame, but I really just want that for the rake. Because like that's yeah. such a freaking iconic, yeah, it's good. But they do, but they do have um, other builds for Pigsy too, which is really great. Ooh okay yeah. cool dope and i was gonna say right you were talking about your like some since you were here last some of these other things that you know i was thinking of your your pop thing was kind of one of the first things that i was thinking of with the specifically kind of the asian line and i'd seen you post some of the um like the the ones that you had found from that and so oh yeah uh you know so yeah you guys are you guys are back or you all are back and I'm, that's one of those words i still y'all am struggling with. usually i get y'all down really well i don't not know why i did not tonight but it's all good you two are back. Um, and, you know, I made reference to the last time you were here, but I didn't really, we didn't talk yet. Just kind of a reference to what that was. So Michelle and Ryan were last year with us back in Strixhaven. Um, and they were here to talk about Killian Lou. And so if you want, we're going to link the, it's a two-parter where we kind of covered the story of Killian Lou, along with kind of this idea of, uh, well, it was really for Asian American representation and kind of uh, some great videos there just kind of about having that discussion um, uh, about, you know, the presentation in media, especially of the Asian American, especially this idea of the model minority. Um, so we're not going to rehash kind of a bunch of what was there, but I do encourage you to go back and listen to it because like I said, it really is the part one is the second most downloaded episode we've had because I think people have recognized that this is an important topic. Um, at the end of that episode, we had rumors of, of Neon Dynasty, and we talked a little bit about concerns. Um, I think I would say concerns. That would be the word. Uh, you know, Ryan, you were really brought kind of that up with this set and kind of a return to Kamigawa, a place that people uh, had wanted to return to ever since the first time we were there. Um, well, sorry, I take that back. After a period of time, because it was not a well-received set when it sets when they first came out, because Wizards tried to do a lot um, in them, and not not just to do with representation at, at all, uh, more to do with the legendary themes and just uh, just some mechanical foibles and, and things that right. didn't work as well. <laughs> but we were talking about, you know, like over the years, there's been an interest in returning, and Ryan, you you kind of mentioned some concerns with the rumors that we had had so far yeah so wizards will occasionally do these kind of like these surveys to get a grip of like what does the consumer want as most businesses do the ones that they released uh had a chunk of things of character designs and ideas that were clearly meant to be in reference to a new kamigawa set and the thing that had me concerned is there was a special ops agent who we are later now seeing is going to be kato but the other ones were all kind of um 
filling these weird roles of being either like so like um a sneaky crime lord or a uh, another like again another sneaky gangster type but they're all described as being infiltrators charming you know kind of playing into this weird role that i mean more or less that uh all these characters from kamigawa who were meant to be these face characters were all sneaky or not unlike ninjas so there was kind of this weird concern that like whoever originally brought up these initial concepts that's how they viewed what either how they viewed the important parts of kamigawa was like this world full of like secret intrigue and subterfuge rather than like a group of people who are just existing in this plane so that had me worried and concerned um we'll get into the other part later but i feel like obviously they got someone to take a second look at these designs names and i i can see echoes of these characters within the within the story uh like the the crime lord actually seems like the umazawa character they eventually became but it's very different than what they originally had planned for the face characters so mm-hmm. and, and to elaborate like one of the reasons why we are like i like i would also i was also concerned about the ongoing depiction of uh asian characters being portrayed as sneaky sneaky people is because of the old fu manchu archetype of uh, old old school media um which portrays asian people as being devious and underhanded uh you can't trust them in their slanty eyes um, so, you know we yeah. you know right and i you had had this conversation when it came to the dark confidant art Oh, that, good lord! Yeah, that had kind of the 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 person standing over the shoulder, like whispering in the ear, kind of yeah, with the long fingernails. It. Yeah, like, oh, seriously. Which, yeah, it was really unfortunate. What I will say though is that, and this is a shout out to Mark Zug, the artist of that, is he was willing to have that full conversation and realize it was. Like, and he it was, was like, in, in, see, the thing is, like, those are really difficult conversations to have. And, you know, in his position, he could have just ignored it. But rather, he went in explained, like, well, this is actually what I meant to be. I can see why it would be construed that way. But this is what I intended. Um, it was still, you know, he didn't, like, he acknowledged why we saw it the way it did and what stereotypes it played into. But when he put up the sources and things, it was actually a really good learning moment for everyone to understand, like, hey, maybe we need to be a little more conscientious when we're doing this. And maybe that's the reason why again cultural consultants and stuff like that you know just giving it a once over at least to maybe Mm -hmm. go like hey can you alter this slightly maybe yeah adjust his features yeah and and not only having i mean it's not only to enough to have people on the payroll you need to listen to them as well so um it's it's great that that is happening so yeah Yeah. um, this is coming so this is coming on the heels of our episode with amanda you know even just kind of going with that idea of like why would a podcast need a a consultant right and we were we kind of were having this discussion that this idea that having somebody to talk to you and just about what you're standing for what your media is presenting or what your viewpoint is that you are showing is is like invaluable and i think that you know we're coming off of having amanda on here and then we 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 kind of rolled into kamigawa which I think we didn't know what we were going to get. And that's that was where my concern was, is the closer and closer we got to this was what is going to happen. And and I think the initial kind of previews that came out had me still a little concerned. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair comment, uh, precisely because when we 
are looking, of course, the first thing that we're going to think of when we think of Kamigawa is like OG Kamigawa, which was in many respects, um, actually Asians Represent, which is another podcast that I, I work with. Um, we did a whole episode on how they miserably failed on trying to world build respectfully in this way. Um, and so when we, when we look at these, we can't help but make that comparison. Right. And so, um, what, what were you looking at precisely, um, that kind of brought those red flags at the, at the time? So I know Ryan, you were talking a little bit more than I, than I was, you know, for me, I think it was just kind of noticing as we were coming into it. I think it was just, uh, everything was ninjas. Like, I yeah. mean, there's literally, literally, literally Satoru think, Umezawa, yeah. who, I mean, that felt like, I mean, from a design standpoint, I get why they're referencing an exceedingly popular character that represented from the plane, but it, I mean, it was very blatantly a name drop, even within the story, a name drop to have a name drop, but they, they kind of led forward with like both um, Kato, who is the face, one of the face walkers, as well as Satoru Umezawa, and it was all just ninjas, 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 ninjas. And there had been a kind of belief, you know, like that was what there had been some missteps, I would say, on comments made about like, well, that's what people want when we return there. Um, Yeah, Uh, there was definitely a comment made by um, I think it was Star City. I can't quite recall, but it was definitely something I called them out for as well, where it's like, you know, we why you want to go to back to Kamigawa? You want it for the ninjas, the samurai, for the Bushido ninjutsu. And it's just the most pardon but like weeptastic response it's like incredibly reductivist and it was definitely something that struck a lot of like struck my nerves essentially and i was like oh that's kind of you're kind of just taking an entire entire civilization and reducing it to ninjas which is never very respectful no Um, no not at all and and the thing that was like things definitely like i was definitely on the same page as y'all and i was so worried until i think we got to the world building um panel that wizards did um i I think it's so what they've done for this set is something that i've never seen before they have put world world building front and center um and for for a lot of really smart reasons i think first they decided to make this in the future. And so they've got to explain a lot of things like this is why these things look this way. And like, this is why we have technology, et cetera. But in a way, I also think that, and this is my hope um, because from what I know from some of the people I know who did consulting behind the scenes, they had like 12 people basically chiming in and whatnot. Um, I, I think they finally took the lessons of the past sets we've seen to heart and are actually and actually decided to really seek a lot of um actual japanese and japanese and asian folks like on this set like making yes. sure that they got it right i and, will say too you know yeah. there had been the, i guess this was also before we knew a ton about the set was we knew that it was also going to be cyberpunk um and i think that that is a where a little more of my concerns had been too i'm like going back now and thinking of the timeline and i remember you know, the belief of kind of what the cyberpunk, you know, and people were um, quick to jump and be like, well, Akira, but ignoring then uh, kind of the West take the the West use or the West versions of cyberpunk where it is Asian cultures or that are like almost like the dominant culture at that point. We're here to replace you. Yeah. As invading, yeah. like we're invading. Yeah. We're invading with our, and, and, and to, in case anyone's like, 
not familiar, cyberpunk has a lot of its roots in like late seventies, early like eighties. Um, I guess a uh, socioeconomic culture where we saw a really big boom in Japan, um, Japan's economic dominance um, and technology. technology. So that's where we get Blade Runner, <laughs> uh, for example, um, as well as a bunch of other stuff. So it is definitely, um, for better or for worse, it's been a giant lodestone in pop culture since then. But but as you said, the video, the world building video, and I mean, that was one of the main things is we, you know, is Alex and I talked behind the scenes about having you two both come back on. The world building video in particular really shifted kind of almost what we were, I mean, we didn't know what we were going to be talking about. We just knew that we wanted to have you two back on, given that you had been here with us previously when we kind of addressed at least kind of the Asian American experience. And as you said, a diaspora, we want to once again, as we said on that last episode, nothing that we're talking about is specifically to a monolith or treating this as if one experience is the only experience, but that world building video really made a difference when it, when it hit. Um, I think for the reasons you said, Michelle, that like, it was almost like they came out of the gates being like, we want to show you flat out that like, we did our research. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. did our research. And for the first time, they were actually extremely transparent about the world building process. That's not something that Wizards has really done before. And and they came out early, like yeah. well before previews were coming. I mean, there were a few previews because that's just how magic works these days. Yeah. It's never ending preview season. But we had just a handful of cards. And so they're like, now we want to, before we start revealing the actual product, which is the marketing thing, we're going to actually come out and tell you about our approach and try to to show you that we, we actually did the work. And it's great. And I love that they did that, especially because like the previews and things are cool and they're a lot of fun, but they're also marketing their business. That's part of a thing, a, a capitalist com- company doing marketing stuff. And so it's nice that even before they really kicked off the marketing part of it, they're like, we want to t- you know, show you what we've done and, and give you a good idea of what we're looking at. Yeah, it provided a very necessary perspective and context for all of the content that was going to come thereafter. I, I really hope that this is something they do from now on because I so many times, especially since they also released story like ahead of everything, mostly uh, most of the spoilers. I, I really hope that they continue to do this because it gives, I think, everyone a better idea of what to expect and what mm-hmm. to, and how to understand um, yeah, and, and what they're trying to go for. Separate, I'm like, in this case, it's really good for the representation angle, but even separate from that in other places where that's less of a, of a concern, it still would be really cool to see this stuff. I, it was just cool to see what they had in general. It's always nice to get that peek behind the curtain and they show us their process and here's the things we were thinking about and all the concept art. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, it would be great if this is a pattern that they just, like, this is just a thing they did for sets. I would love I that. Say, even from like a cold, heartless marketing perspective, like it's actually really genius because it gets you amped up in the lead up to preview season and it gets you more entrenched and more invested. I'd say like the only complaint I'd have is they probably should have moved the story release schedule 
ahead one day because I saw a lot of people complaining that like, oh, I didn't find out the thing about Tamio until the, the the preview stream with Matthew Lillard. And now it's ruined. And I why should I read the story? You know, that kind of thing. But other than that, I saw everyone literally every day the story came out. People were on there posting about it nonstop. It's the most engagement I've seen for like a magic story in a long time, probably since I want to say Dominaria. Yeah, I, I would certainly say that. I mean, I mean, probably since maybe Ixalan, which was a golden era. Oh, beautiful. Um, what? So talking about the panel in particular, uh, one thing I also think they did right was they allowed their cultural consultant, um, James Mendez Hodes, to take the lead in talking about and examining what they did for the set in terms of representation, the concerns they had, and what they did in order to address those concerns. The way um, they followed his lead, the way they allowed him to um, express his ideas openly and honestly, I felt was really refreshing. And a lot of things he talked about were things I was very concerned about. Uh, like, um, like just for example, the common representation. Um, we, anyone who has studied Japanese culture uh, would probably know about Shinto and Shintoism. And Shintoism is where the concept of kami comes from. The kami are spirits that inhabit basically almost everything we like in very sacred, very special things in our lives, whether that be like a really nice rock or a temple or a really uh, precious doll that's been passed down or something like that. Um, so previous Kamigawa was like, oh, they are separate planes. And now we have them back on the same level of existence as they really ought to always have been, right? Um, so pointing out things like that, pointing out things like, you know, we got too many katanas up in this place. That I, I felt I was, was really refreshing. <laughs> I, I love the the discussion on weapons and and like even the bringing in of the concerns to do with like using Okinawan weapons, right? Like uh, I think the like the size and the nunchucks were the two examples that he really gave because we know that this you know that was one of the things we got last time from Kamigawa was was weapons, but it it was mainly swords and ajite, but. Um, he very much clearly stated from the outset, like, we're not going to like, I, I, we had a discussion about Okinawan weapons because of, you know, the fact that there had been imperialism and, you know, to bring that into a mainland story is a very different like feel. And like, maybe that's something that could be down, done down the road, but for the world of Kamigawa, it didn't make sense. And I, these are not things that were, I believe considered last time at all. Yeah. Oh, not at all. It was a very West. Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I think it was extremely reductive, I suppose. It was extremely pop culture. Um, the kind of Kamigawa we saw, especially with regards to the weapons, was very much like Ninja Turtles level, you know? <laughs> yeah, they, they had to have the Kasari Gama, which is never used correctly in Western media, which is fine. But, you know, you always see people like throwing like a scythe at the end of the chain, and that's wildly impractical. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, it was a weapon designed by farmers for farmers. That's, I mean, just, it just, yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> it's good for farming, not so much for non-farming is what well, you're saying? No, it, it was a weapon or, for farmers used to defend themselves and, okay. and, their, and okay. their property. So the way you use it is you throw the bottom chain that's like it has a rock or a weight at the end of it to hit the person. Then you go in close with the blade. But you always see movies like Ninja Assassin doing ridiculous stuff where you're like swinging around a blade at the end of the chain doing like insane like House of the Flying Guillotine type stuff. Got so. you. Okay. 
I'm sorry, random tangent. No, I know, <laughs> that's a good tangent. I mean, because I, I mean, it is. tangents are very important to part of our podcast, well, I, so we I think appreciate you bringing that. If we I don't go good, down a pathway at least once. I think a good, uh, what was that line from the panel that I thought, like, it just really hit me, was it the lies we tell ourselves versus the lies yes. we tell about each other? So like, yeah, I, I about yeah. yeah, the lies, was, yeah. I, I thought that was really, really profound and was a really fantastic understanding, a uh, statement about like how we how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive the other, the quote unquote, the other. Um, one thing I also thought was, well, um, I have two points. Uh, the first I'm going to say is like, one thing I very much appreciated was the introduction of traditional Japanese crafts and um, aesthetic, very specific aesthetic styles and um, touchstones that were not just swords <laughs> that was really important like fans you know like something that i felt was really more and i've been doing a series of tweets on these as like as they come out and i'm like oh i recognize that i'm gonna write about it real quick uh i'll probably do an article <laughs> about all of this again in card kingdom uh, in a couple of weeks or so but uh things like for example um um hakone um marketry you should get um marketry which if you're not familiar marketry is basically the the art or the craft of taking um different colored woods cutting them to shapes and then inlaying them um into i think the western styles to inlay them into another wooden surface but yakone um marketry uh basically what you do is you glue you cut all of these pieces beforehand um there are like files and like blades that have been passed down for generations it's amazing um and you so you cut these particular different kinds of woods into different shapes you combine the shapes together into a pattern um it looks almost like a millifiori stick um it's like this really long stick of like glue together wood then you glue more of the wood together until you get like enough of a pattern enough of it for it to create like a pattern for a box and then you you shave off like bits of that in order to create like a veneer for all of these things and that for that's just one example but it's such a specific thing right that i was blown away i was blown away by that attention to detail i was blown away by that commitment to authenticity and it also really shows i think me and and hopefully the audience as well that the world building team and the art direction team are not in it just for the pop culture. They're in it to like showcase some of the most unique things that Japanese culture has to offer, right? It's much more in depth than what we've been seeing before. I would say I really appreciate those one things kind of listening to Zach Stella talk about the art, the fact that they had the cultural consultant involved in every step of the kind of the process and, and recognizing, I, I think, you know, they talk about uh, not everything could be changed or was going to, I mean, my favorite was the discussion of handedness. Uh, just like, yeah. It's like, we got a lot of lefties like, on Kamigawa. Yeah. We could have lefties on Kamigawa. Um, before that though, just like the attention to detail when it came to how a kimono is weared, worn, weird wow how, how kimono Hogs be weird how to be weird wow that made me sound like <laughs> wow that was very good that was a good point i was making too dang it now i ruined it dang dang nab it all those kimono being weird we're wired on the wrong side but no that <laughs> that they did that, that was actually something that's like oh that can be fixed because it, it made a difference on whether the person was alive or not 
really yeah. if you want to be sticking to this yeah and, and i think this just shows a respect and care for the subject matter that um wasn't really present in old kamigawa like i i think there's there's like this desperation in old at least it reads to me in old kamigawa of like oh we gotta look cool like ah we gotta make swords and stuff and well, there was right and like i'm just i'm just realizing and maybe this is a a theory that it doesn't have basis and i think but it's it's i'm just putting this together as we're talking about it but it's been you know how many and what 12 15 years time has no meaning i can't remember how long it's been since the last kamigawa it's been a while and it, so oh, it's, it's 18 the, i want to say thank you so they have not i mean not, now they're they're get to bring in the cultural consultants and really paying attention to these things, but also just from a game design standpoint, they've just developed their toolkit a lot better to do, to be able to represent things. It's, it's in the last decade or so, you know, as a random aside, we talk about, um, um, cathartic reunion back in Kaladesh as, as a way that they're, they're trying to bring different emotion into red that isn't just combat and violence related that that's because that's a part of red's color pie that doesn't get represented in the standard combat style cards that usually get printed because the basis of magic the game is throwing fireballs at each other and summoning creatures to go fight but from a world building standpoint there's so much more to life and they've made an effort to develop those things and find places in the cards be it an actual sort of technology like sagas or just in general to find ways to express things that aren't just the combat that has allowed them now that they're also bringing in the cultural consultants and paying attention to these details and really trying to represent this, you know, culture in a mindful and thoughtful way. They also have better ways to do it as well. I think also to that point, um, it has been a long time since the last Kamigawa. And since then, the world has changed. I'm not just talking about COVID. Um, but I mean, we are always. <laughs> we all are. But like, but the like day also that we other can have a conversation happening. that doesn't have that involved, I'll be happy again. And you're talking a little bit different for once. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> once once that's over you're gonna like the world collectively just sounds a little happier um but <laughs> but in that time we've actually seen a real influx and understanding like the world back then um like as a baby a baby otaku like a otaku a chibi otaku as you were um i like there was like one place in town where I could get Sailor Moon stickers and there was like it, it was hard to get Sailor Moon video like like video like videotapes. Like it was just it was a struggle. It was a struggle to be an otaku back then. And I'm not saying this in like oh uh, you know otakus of now being like, well when I was your age I have to I had to walk five miles to get the next Dragon Ball Z videotape. I had to walk ten miles to get that next record of Lotus Wall tapestry. Yeah. <laughs> spend thirty dollars for a VHS with two episodes of an anime on it. Yeah. Now it's what, like fifteen bucks a month for Crunchyroll or something? That's yeah, something like that. But like since then, we've had so many things from Jap like so much media from Japan infiltrate our own, like at least American pop culture. And I think that's been 
great honestly like think of the things we've we've had so many studio ghibli movies everyone knows totoro now when i was a kid ain't no one but me knew totoro like and it was sad because he's a big dude and wants to keep the forest good um <laughs> i mean heck there was like a totoro reference in bob's burgers like for the one of their thanksgiving episodes they like full on redid the redid the tree sequence like just completely but, i mean there was a totoro sequence in like what south park Except it was with Cthulhu and Eric Cartman. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 So like, maybe I think a part of this is maybe just now we're really in a good place where we can, we can have authentic, more authentically Japanese content. Oh, that's an interesting idea too. Yeah. For so long, like America, our one of our biggest exports is our culture and it has been for a long time. We've been telling our stories and exporting them to the rest of the world and now I mean, it, there's always been stories coming from other parts of the world, but there's so many more coming from so many more places. Yeah, with globalization comes more of a media melting pot. And I think that's been really great. Um, it's been wonderful, except for I, I just can't get around my head around like the Scandinavian murder genre, the quiet murder genre, where it's just a bunch of Scandinavian people being like, I don't know, Oleg. You need to solve the murder or something. It's like snowing outside. <laughs> people have lots of blumlots in their name, and I'm like, okay, yeah, they fell on the ice. Whatever, I don't care. <laughs> same with like, same with dark. Same with the dark, like German, like that German shit. I don't care. I don't like those. Give me like more otaku nonsense. I actually just showed my girlfriend uh, Old Boy for the first time. I had to explain how like Koreans specifically have a whole subgenre that's literally just overly elaborate revenge, and that's literally the whole point of the film. Like, there's like full subgenre. It, I mean, that's Kill Bill, right? I, I mean, yeah, to an extent. And Kill Bill yeah. basically like kind of took a, a lot of uh, Tarantino, um, but but yeah, like I, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Let's be honest. There, I, I could hear you shaking your fist there. Like, yeah. Tarantino, <laughs> go back to your feet. <laughs> Leave us alone. I just ended up with thinking of handling a Bruce Lee in Once Upon a Time in oh, Hollywood. God. So sorry, Awful. sorry. No, it's, but yeah, I I think that we're just in a better place where we can handle stuff like this now. Like we're we're in a better. I think I don't know if we're in necessarily a better place. Like overall. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of arguments yeah. against that but I think we are in a better place vis-a-vis being able to look at something like a, I don't know a bunch of kami like holding like the, the spirited away card it was like march it's a white marching cycle card which I love um, and you just look at it and you're like oh yeah spirited away and that's perfect and it's great yeah. yep and so going back kind of thinking to the rest of the um, roundtable, um, kind of any of the points that we didn't really hit on, I think that the biggest one that we started to that I just want to circle back with is that idea of the the concept of the lies we tell ourselves versus the lies that we tell someone else. Um, because I thought that that was very powerful with kind of bringing up this idea that before it was kind of the lies that it, it, it was what basically the viewpoints of an outside group was about that group. It wasn't what that group would think about itself. And I yeah. think that there's a really big difference when we're talking about representation for that. I sorry, I just got lost in a giant flashback to like learning Moby Dick in high in high school, like AP English and being like, ah yes, limited human perspective. Everyone knows thinks that Ahab isn't great, but Ahab thinks Ahab is great. Anyway, <laughs> um 
I, I think that's absolutely correct, right? Like, that's a really good point. Not correct, but like, that's a really prominent and poignant idea to kind of meditate on, right? Like, and that's probably how they came up with the idea of like their idea of the commie war conflict, because that's a very Western idea. Like you guys talked about before with the whole like it's separated because that's how Western society views like spiritualism, spirits, ghosts and what have you. You know, they are a completely separate plane that's breaching into our world, you know, as opposed to like what they're doing now, like you guys said. It's just that's probably like the sorry, I'm, I'm talking in circles again. Sorry about that. No, no, you're fine. It's yeah. yeah I mean, it's it's so nice to let japanese like it's so nice to let the subject of this culture be able to lead the and uh, to lead the discussion on this culture which is basically what we're having with this set right in the world building we're, we're essentially discussing and positing a world that is rooted so centrally in japanese culture and uh, even part, especially when we talk about technology, um, I think one of the best parts about this set is examining that one of the thesis, uh, one of the thesis of it is just examining our relationship with technology. Um, this was touched on a little bit more in the um, preview um, thing with like B.D. Walters um, and Brian. I, I forget her name, but um, basically they, we, we, Japan is in itself uh, a country that is struggling to combine, not really struggling, but coming up with interesting ways of combining the traditional with the technological, the technological, right? Like, um, I think one of the best ways to sort of look at this is uh, actually, I think a really great example would be elderly care. Um, and I know that's a really random thing for me to tangent on, but follow me on this train i promise they're cookies uh and you some really promise, cute shit you did promise carbs so i'm on I I, i'm a, i'm i'm going to let you <laughs> take us down this path okay so in a lot of east asian cultures a lot of cultures in general but especially but not especially but in in japanese culture taking care of your elders super important respecting them making sure they've got access to stuff um for a lot of elderly folks japan has one of the most accessible um elderly friendly like infrastructures in the world because a lot of their population is elderly uh one of the problems that they have been running into um is just loneliness in a lot of the retirement homes uh, loneliness is just something that you know we all kind of struggle with and it's one of the reasons why many of us during the pandemic got pets and of course, that's not going to be really tenable within a retirement home situation, right? Like having something by your side that will entertain you, comfort you. So one of the things that they decided to create, uh, that a robotics team decided to create, was called Paro. Paro, which I had the good fortune of being able to hold at a fair one day at a technology, at a, at a technology fair in Japantown. Um, it's a seal. It's a white harp seal. It's a it's a giant white harp seal. It's about like 24, 30 inches in length. It's got some heft to it. And if you look it up, it's it basically responds to your voice. It responds to the tone of your voice. It makes cute noises. It blinks its eyes. It's able to like make comforting gestures. And it's warm. And this was especially helpful to a lot of older folks with dementia um because it gave them some comfort and it gives heck i i don't i'm, I'm not old yet and it gave me comfort just standing there in the middle of san francisco <laughs> <laughs> well 
Well, it's a seal. I mean, come on. It's super cute, right? It is. Yeah. It's it's, super cute. But it's like, this is kind of how, like, what culture would create this, right? Specifically, what culture would create an adorable anthropomorphic robot creature that with big eyes (laughs) to comfort their elderly population? Like, it's a very distinctly Japanese approach, I think, right? Like they're developing robots right now to help take care of elderly folks in homes. And again, that has a very Japanese sensibility to it because there just aren't a lot of people right now to um, help take care of them. And plus they are very anti-immigration, but that's another story. Um, But yeah, it's just a really interesting blend of taking technology and using it in accordance to societal values and we, we're sort of seeing that right now, with that kind of play out, that struggle on Kamigawa, right? Where we have these amazing new origami sort of technology, but how do we, but it's, you know, it, the use of it, the struggle over who gets to use it, that's sort of being um, the co- main conflict here. Yeah, it's good. The, the conflict between technology and what it can do and then who has access to it right like an yeah. access type question yeah felt very much in line with this and i i appreciated during the world building them talking about this didn't mean that you know one of the things that they didn't say was we wanted to get rid of everything that made the original kamigawa the original kamigawa right like they wanted to be able to keep elements that people did like um they didn't say we want to tear this basically down and start over again we want to bring it forward um, and I appreciated the just acknowledgement of we probably still don't go far enough, right? We're not going to yet. It's going to take steps. But to acknowledge that these are the steps and we're still going to make mistakes. And when those mistakes happen, hopefully they're going to be acknowledged instead of not. And I did feel this whole world building video was a way of saying, like, we're going to just out of the gate acknowledge where we've come up short in the past. Yeah, and also where we could come up short here, right? Yeah, um, that it's entirely possible. Yeah, I, I like. I did actually point out that the um, um, I teachings of the Kirin, which is has art by Sam Burley, um, it's meant to be an ikebana piece. And as someone who has studied ikebana and practices it from time to time, I'm like, that's on ikebana. <laughs> and he apologized and was like, I didn't mean to offend anyone. I'm like, I'm not offended. I'm just, it's a beautiful piece. It's just not Nikkeibana. Um, and that's, and you know, like it didn't hurt anyone. It's just like, I'm glad you, apo- I'm glad you acknowledged it. I'm glad that, you know, we had this conversation. Um, and that's, that's it. We just, we live and we learn. And next time, you know, we'll figure it out. I mean, as Ryan said, that discussion with Mark Zug was a very similar element. And I remember when that happened. Yeah. It's uh, really important to make sure that the intent is there um, and that, you know, the, the, the whole thing is to live and to learn and to grow. And uh, I don't know, live, laugh, love. Uh, <laughs> wow. You really brought this back to the U.S. quick. <laughs> Speaking of which, <laughs> it's loopy fuck time. And that's our show for today. You can find the host on Twitter. Hobbs Q can be found at Hobbs Q, and Alex Newman can be found at Mel underscore Comicler. Send any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to at GoblinLorePod on Twitter, or email us at GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support your friendly neighborhood gobs, the cast can be found at Patreon.com slash GoblinLorePod.
opening and closing music by Vindergotten, who can be found on Twitter at Vindergotten or online at vindergotten.bandcamp.com. Logo art by Steven Raphael, who can be found on Twitter at Steve Raphael. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Tipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content, as well as magic content of all kinds. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you all for listening. And remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers.